This is The Guardian. Today, the story of why Denmark's former spy chief and its former defence minister are now facing the trials of their lives. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. It was the 8th of December, and I came back from the country in the Balkans. Then I landed early morning in Copenhagen Airport. In December 2021, Lars Finsen was the head of Denmark's Foreign Intelligence Agency. He was on leave at the time, had been overseas for a few days, and boarded a flight home to Copenhagen Airport. And it's there, in the arrivals hall, that armed police quietly approach him. and tell him he's under arrest on suspicion of treason. When I was about to leave the, the transit area, I, I was approached by a man, uh, and it was still there with corona, so people were wearing masks, so he was a bit disguised with a mask, but I could see that I knew him. I could see it at his eyes, and he asked me whether I would follow him, and then I got arrested. In custody, Finson learns authorities have been looking into him for some time. At some point, a specialist team of spies has secretly entered his house, wired it with microphones. As part of the operation, they've broken in several times, taking notes of what they're seeing. Leafing through the evidence with his lawyer, Finson realises, for months, maybe longer, everything said out loud in his house has been recorded. Yeah, I was seeing all sorts of conversations with my children. You know, I was revisiting, actually, what had happened uh, the the last uh, more than a year of my life. His car, his holiday house, he realises there have been bugs everywhere. That also left uncertainty in my children because uh, they were asking, can I be myself in my room? Can I be sure that that there aren't any bugs here? When I am still, uh, to, to some extent, are driving with my youngest daughter, She is very fast to ask me, Dad, are we being followed? Finson had been responsible for Denmark's biggest intelligence agency. His work had been state secrets. And now he's in front of a judge in secret legal proceedings. And the next morning I was presented in front of a judge who uh, I think was a bit rattled by the situation. There were police all over. They had, uh, they were armed and carrying around, you know, steel boxes. Very, very dramatic. As he waits for the prosecutor's next move, he's thrown in jail next to prisoners accused of all sorts of crimes. Uh, they were there for uh, drugs, for arms stealing, kidnapping, and stuff like that. You mean there were no other spy chiefs in in custody? There were no other spy chiefs and were certainly no other, you know, senior civil servants my age. 
prosecution of Lars Finsen is part of an explosive intelligence scandal that has rocked Denmark. It isn't just him on trial, facing serious criminal charges. Denmark's former defence minister, a guy who used to sit across from world leaders like Angela Merkel and Donald Trump, is also in the dock, accused of treason. It's a story of whistleblowers, of spies turning on each other, of state secrets being spilled on the front page of newspapers and on the TV news. And actually, it begins with The Guardian and the decision a decade ago by an American intelligence contractor named Edward Snowden to reveal some of America's deepest secrets to the world. And Harry Davies, an investigative reporter with The Guardian, and Lucy Hoff, a Today in Focus producer, have spent the past few months getting to the bottom of it. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, Denmark's biggest spy scandal. This story begins in a place known in Denmark's intelligence community as The Farm. Not entirely a metaphorical name. And a few months ago, Harry and Lucy went to see it. We asked a taxi driver to drive us to this spot on Arma, which is the island immediately south of Copenhagen. And he didn't really understand why we wanted to go there and was a bit um, dubious, suspicious of, of, of why we're heading in that direction. And eventually, in the middle of nowhere, we, uh, we just asked him to stop the car and we jumped out. And he sort of turned around and, and left us there. We wandered down this, this quite quiet road and... And on one side, there was a pretty drab, grey, quite nondescript facility. But there were, of course, there was a high barbed wire fence. And there were sort of these security cameras which, which sort of followed us as we walked past, trying not to look too suspicious. So we're actually now walking past the um, facility, which is... Uh, no photo sign. Yeah, no photograph sign. Um, lots of corrugated... Iron, um, quite nondescript area. Lots um, of CCTV pointing at yeah, us slightly yeah. lovingly. And, and as we were walking along, we uh, eventually saw this large um, white dome which was poking out from between the trees. And, and this is um, uh, a radar dome or a ray dome which uh, inside is a big satellite that listens out eavesdropping on um, satellite traffic and sort of plucks communications from, from the sky and starts processing and listening to them. So you're on the perimeter of a spy facility and you've been able to just walk in, nobody stopped you. That's pretty minimal security. Yeah, we were just wandering along and we were, you know, pretty close to the perimeter of this facility, very close um, proximity to this, um, to the to the radome. Um, and there was no one, no one around, or, or at least we thought. Don't appear to be being followed. <laughs> I think it's a good spot. It's really positive. We were then apprehended by um, by by a group of cows who were um, who were quite interested in, in what we were doing. Oh wow, that's a big cow. That is a really big that's cow. It's actually three. Three of them are coming. Is it a bull? This is terrifying. <laughs> are they tough? Maybe the cow, maybe the cows are actually intelligence agents. I actually think they might be. Yeah. This is really weird the way he's looking at us. Yeah. And so why is this Danish spy facility in all the possible places it could be on the edge of an island? The base has been there for decades, but over time it's become 
more important to Danish intelligence. So originally it was there to listen out for uh, overhead communications from um, satellites and, 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 and radio traffic. But in more recent times, what's been more important for the facility is its proximity to a um, landing point of a very important fibre optic cable, hmm. which carries a large amount of telecoms and internet traffic through it. From where? Well, from all over, there's a large amount of traffic which is believed to come from Russia and Asia. Mm. One of the points at which Russian internet traffic moves into Europe. There are only a handful of those points, and one of them is in, is in Denmark. Interesting. So this fiber optic cable potentially carries a lot of very sensitive and important information. Yeah, a whole load of um, a kind of firehose of very raw data, raw communications data, which is of great interest to intelligence services. So, Harry, you don't have to be an intelligence professional to understand the value of a cable like that. And in fact, in the 1990s, this cable caught the attention of the US government. And Bill Clinton, then the US president, flew to Copenhagen for an important meeting. Yeah, so in the 1990s, the Americans realized that there was this cable here and that it, it, it was a potentially a kind of goldmine for um, communications data that was coming from China and Russia. And so it, it struck a deal with Denmark. It agreed that it would pay for a load of uh, equipment and systems to help uh, tap the cable uh, and collect uh, the uh, telecoms and internet traffic from that cable. So we think that the agreement was made in the 1990s. And then by 1997, Bill Clinton flew to Copenhagen. And it's thought that this trip that he made, this very high profile trip that he made to, to Denmark, was, was to say thank you for agreeing to become this partner to the, um, to, to, to the US intelligence services. President Clinton arrived in Denmark, still limping from the knee injury, which had forced him to cancel a trip here in March. This was the first ever visit to Denmark by a serving US president. And as an Air Force helicopter brought him to Queen Margarita's summer palace on Friday, it was clear he was getting the full royal treatment. She greeted him with a military guard and a 21 cannon salute. So this deal is very interesting and it was very secret. So. How do we know about it? Well, it's a story you probably know as well. In 2013, a contractor with the US National Security Agency called Edward Snowden leaves a facility carrying millions of government secrets. It's the biggest intelligence leak in history, and it includes revelations like the US is collecting everybody in the world's internet traffic, it's spying on EU leaders, including Angela Merkel, that major telephone companies and tech firms are handing call records to the government without letting the public know. I, I think that the public is owed an explanation of the motivations behind the people who make these disclosures that are outside of the democratic model. When you are subverting the power of government, that, that's a fundamentally dangerous thing to democracy. And buried somewhere in the revelations is a glimpse at a deal that the US appears to have struck with Denmark. Just a glimpse. And unsurprisingly, it makes big news in Denmark and catches the eye of one person in particular, a Danish spy back at the farm, a young star hacker who does not like what he's reading. He seems to have been already quite suspicious of the uh, Danish intelligence services relationship with the NSA. 
And this story and and the and the sort of Snowden stories in general seem to add to his concerns. Mm. His concern is mm. is that the NSA might be or, or is potentially misusing this arrangement, and is illegally collecting uh, information on Danish citizens. And he seems to believe that the that the spy service he works for is doing the NSA's bidding, or that or that the NSA might have a backdoor into the. Uh, the cable tapping program they're running, and and that they're accessing Danish citizens' data. Interesting. So they're not just spying on data from Russia or from American adversaries. He thinks potentially they're spying on Danes as well, which they're not meant to. Part of the agreement is that they're not meant to be doing that. But that's his concern, and the Snowden story only adds to that concern. It seems, but he takes those concerns to his managers. And they then let him be part of an investigation, a, a highly sensitive internal investigation, which uh, looks into this question of whether the U.S. is um, abusing um, this this cable tapping arrangement. This is, a, you know, an exceptionally sensitive inquiry that they that they conduct, which only a few people know about, and it, it's given a code name. Um, it's, it's called Operation Dunhammer. They're investigating themselves. Well, they're not just investigating themselves; they're investigating the U.S. They're investigating、mm. their most significant foreign partner. And so, if the Americans found out about this, you know that that would be, I think, pretty problematic. So they conduct this investigation in close secrecy, and and only a few people know about it. But then, what happens is that this inquiry puts together a report, and it goes to the senior management of of the intelligence service. And ultimately, they feel that there is no smoking gun. Now they they do find that the U.S. has been using the access that it has to the fiber optic cable to spy on European politicians. So, a lot of the Americans spying on European leaders that we learned about from Edward Snowden, this cable played a crucial role. Yes. And so, what happens to the investigation? So he's told by his managers to stop this investigation and go back to work. And does he? No. He, rather than drop this internal inquiry, he—I mean—he effectively expands it. But he's doing this now under his own steam, and he takes the extraordinary step to start recording his conversations and meetings with his colleagues at the intelligence facility. He starts secretly recording the conversations he's having. Yeah, he he starts spying on his colleagues within this spy facility. He's a spy spying on spies. Yes. Okay. And, and not just as he's spying on spies, he's spying on and secretly recording his you know his most senior colleagues, the spy masters that run the organization. Who are those senior colleagues that he's spying on? They include、um, Lars Finsen, who is the head of the intelligence service,、mm, the one who we heard from at the top of the episode. Yes. This seems to go on for some time, and that, he, that in the end he collects what is believed to be around about hundred hours of audio. Incredible. And on tape in these recordings, conversations we think about the、uh, NSA cable tapping partnership, which is as you know, which as we've as we've heard is one of Denmark's most sensitive secrets. So Danish intelligence wants this investigation, Operation Dunhammer. Put to bed, and it isn't. The star hacker continues it on his own, and eventually, a government oversight body catches wind that something unusual might be happening, and begins its own investigation that produces a landmark report. 
Tell me about that report and what it finds. In a pretty carefully worded statement, and a pretty brief statement, it was around about four pages long, it, it listed a series of pretty incendiary allegations against the intelligence service. And one of them related, not explicitly, but, but the people I've spoken to said this was what, it, what, what they were talking about, was that they were talking about the way in which there was a risk that Danish citizens' data was being accessed or collected by a core part of or a core function of the intelligence service. And they didn't name it. They didn't say this is, this is the NSA cable tapping agreement, but that's what it was. I mean, they appear to be hinting that the suspicions of the hacker who got this investigation started five years before, that he may have been right. Yeah, this panel that's there to oversee the intelligence service, it's led by a senior judge. They seem to agree with the concerns of, of the whistleblower. And they published this summary online. And as one former spy at that service said, then all, all hell broke loose. All hell broke loose? Yes. What did it mean? The government then placed on leave the head of the intelligence service, Lars Finsen, and several other of his colleagues at the service, and they were, they were sent home. This is what the Danish press described as a sort of historic scandal. There were concerns that the intelligence service had been operating illegally without um, sufficient oversight, and the line that was used that was, that was one of the concerns was that, that, that it may have been ap- operating as a state within a state. And this was front page news. It was it was a big story, and the story was that you know that 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 the spy chiefs seemed to have been allowing illegal surveillance, potentially of Danish citizens. So, what is the reaction within the government to the fact that these senior intelligence officers have effectively been told, "Go home. You don't have a job anymore." Yeah, I mean, that decision was pretty controversial. It really upset people within the intelligence community. It upset people that they had sort of been hung out to dry when this was an arrangement which actually politicians knew about. You know, this wasn't a secret to the prime minister or to the defence minister who oversees the, uh, the intelligence service. One of those people is a very senior Danish politician. In fact, he's Denmark's former defence minister, a man named Klaus Hjort Frederiksen. And he's really unhappy with the way these senior officials have been treated by the government. What does he do about it? He, um, he, he starts speaking out publicly. Um, he's, a, uh, you know, he's a sort of towering figure in Danish politics. He's a, he's a big deal. So then what happens is he goes and does a series of interviews, including one live television, where he effectively provides the first, or what's interpreted as the first, on-the-record confirmation of this secret arrangement. And that has very serious consequences. Like Lars Finsen, he's charged with disclosing classified information, which um, under the, under the uh, law he's charged with amounts to treason. Hmm. And so now, it's not just the former intelligence chief facing treason charges, it's the former defence minister of Denmark, also in deep legal trouble, for the way he's spoken about this case. Right. Harry, 
you actually sat down with Klaus Hjort Fredriksen in his house in Denmark to talk to him about this story. This was actually an exclusive interview for international media. Tell me about that meeting. Yeah, so this summer, Lucy, our audio producer, and I, we went to see him, so we caught the train from Copenhagen. It was a pretty grey, muggy June day, and Klaus uh, collected us from the train station in his 4x4. How are you? I'm fine. And you? I'm all right. And drive us to his home, which is this lovely, pretty charming thatched fisherman's cottage, which overlooks the sea. Yes, yeah, so we sort of potted around with his two lovely dogs for a bit. <laughs> so, you, so, is this what you do in the morning? Is this you give, you come out and walk the dogs? Yeah, so we take a small walk, uh, and then in. But now we have changed it. The big walk we take with the dogs is now in the morning because the past month it's been so hot here oh, really? so yeah a big contrast to your days as a minister yeah, yeah. yeah I'm now i'm a pensioner <laughs> but I, i'm not spending my time as i wanted to as a pensioner because of this uh, criminal case that is against me so i had thought that i could have a more peaceful peaceful life than I actually have now. Because it's your having to prepare your defence. Yeah, 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 it's a lot. I mean, being by the water, strolling by the water with with Maxi and Frida, is that, I mean, does it help you clear your head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very relaxing going here. Peaceful. Life is quite simple here. <laughs> Not, not, but right now, not, not simple enough. And this is where he's currently spending his time waiting and preparing for his trial, which begins this autumn. So, Klaus Jort Fredriksen, like Lars Finsen, is not allowed to talk about the specifics of these charges because they're still active proceedings. But what did he tell you about why he had decided to go public in this case? He told us that one of the reasons why he decided to speak out back then was, I think he he, he felt a sense of loyalty or, or obligation towards these people that he had, that used to work for him. He had a sense of loyalty towards them. I was not a minister at that time. It was the social democratic government. And I found this very, very unjust procedure, sending these people home. I knew them as very loyal uh, employees, uh, dedicated uh, employees, uh, honest and hardworking people. And when you send people home, you sort of put a label in their face uh, that they have done something very, very uh, wrong and could not um, keep their their jobs. And it, my conscience would forbid me just to uh, let it pass. Therefore, I started my criticism of the government, government's actions there. And so what did he tell you about the day that he learned that, in fact, he was being investigated? 
So um, he arrived home one morning and these officers were there waiting for him. Um, he got out of the car and initially they were standing outside the house, outside this thatched cottage by the sort of roses. And it, this was sort of all happening in a quite public place, was, you know, on his on his doorstep. So he uh, took the officers inside and, you know, they told him about these charges Um and he realized at that point that he you know he was he was going to be prosecuted for uh, some quite serious crimes and and he spoke about the way in which that was you know a, a great shock to him um when the policemen arrived and they came here were you were you shocked was this a surprise uh, yeah you can say uh, it, it it's a shock uh, being uh, sort of honest man all your life uh, and uh, suddenly you're charged with a very very uh, serious uh, serious uh, crime of course it sweeps your your legs away uh, under you were you ever arrested no 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 then some weeks later i was taken to i went to a police station for interrogation and it took an hour or an hour and a half um and what was that like? You you had been a a minister at the very top of the Danish government for many years, and now you were in a police station being interviewed by two policemen. What 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 did that? What was that like? It it is a shocking uh, experience, uh, and uh, I was asked, "Would you do this again?" And I said, I bet you I'll do it again any time because I'm not looking at this without reacting. Coming up, what next for Lars Finsen and for Klaus Hjort Fredriksen? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Today in Focus is supported by better help. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus 
today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Today in Focus. So Harry, the trials of these two men are now imminent. They're both strenuously denying all the allegations against them. But what exactly are they charged with? So they've been charged for disclosing classified information under this quite unusual, rarely used um, section of the Danish Criminal Code. So, And this, this part of the Danish Criminal Code hasn't been used for uh, more than 40 years. When it was used in a Cold War era case uh, against uh, um, an East German Stasi agent in, in Denmark. So it's it, it, it sort of been um, brought back to life and, 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 and its use has been revived. And that's something you spoke to Lars Finsen about when you met him. The reason why they have used this part is that it has a, it has a, a, a potential, you know, a frame for a sentence going up to actually 12 years. Uh, and this is uh, that ma- using this part of the criminal code, it makes it possible for them to actually to deploy these very extensive surveillance measures. Uh, so I think that was the part of the you know of the of the scheme actually. And the and the part of the this part of the penal code is it's am I right in thinking it's tr- it's about treason? It's about treason, yes, certainly. Which is uh, also a bit of an awkward uh, situation when you have been working thirty years for you know for, for government, uh, being directors of two uh, intelligence services, and then you know I, I find it hard to associate myself with this expression, but that's in fact what we are talking about. Harry, you put this question of why, why are these men being prosecuted to the men themselves? So, so what did Lars Finsen and Klaus Hjort Fredriksen say about why they thought they're being pursued? I think they both feel that there is a, some form of political element in this, in that in order to bug the head of an intelligence service, to charge such a senior um, former minister, that that, 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 that required a degree of kind of political involvement and sign-off, and that that had to be, um, those decisions had to be agreed and green-lit at the highest levels of government. So, these two men are facing pretty extraordinary treason charges, and the trials for both of them are coming up really quickly. What do we know about those trials? The trials are due to be held um, in secret. Prosecution want the trials to be held behind closed doors, because you know, because the uh, the char- the underlying charges we believe relate to you know this very sensitive national security secret. So, so all of the the the, the evidence um, that will be used against these two men in these two separate trials will be um, will be secret. We won't know what's what what that is. Harry, this is an extraordinary spy scandal you've been telling us about. From everything we've heard, these two men, two of the most senior security figures in Denmark's recent history, this was about telling the truth, standing up for their colleagues and saying in public what they thought was already known, what was already in the media. And now they're being tried over it for treason. That's their perspective. What do you think this is all about for the Danish government? I think it's about the way governments control their secrets. 
And I think this is a tussle about who controls those secrets, who has the right to speak about them, and 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 a, and a sense of paranoia, which is perhaps not unique to the Danish government, about national security secrets. And for Western intelligence services, the Snowden leaks were such a um, painful moment in which they saw the kind of their, the ease with which their most sensitive secrets could find their way into the public domain. Mm. The Danish government had this secret which only you know a, you know a relatively small group of people knew about this highly sort of sensitive you know piece of information this document kept in a safe which um was considered to be an extremely important part of Denmark's foreign policy if you like it's mm-hmm. it's it's a you know crown jewel in its strategic sort of security position and nobody really knew about it for for a very long time and and this story seems to be about the way in which this particular government in Denmark has decided that it wants to crack down on leaks and prevent you know, information about its sensitive national security secrets from spilling out into the open. And what people I've spoken to have said is that this has had a sort of pretty chilling effect upon the Danish press and, and their sources within, within the state who see the prosecutions of Lars Finsen and Klaus Hjord Fredriksson and 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 that's pretty frightening to them. I mean that they're making an example of these two men. Yeah, that they are making an example of these men and that if you're a civil servant or a, a you know a mid-level junior intelligence officer and you see something that you don't like, you see this, you decide that you want to share information with a journalist because you're worried about the way the government is operating, then that becomes a much more dangerous proposition mm-hmm. if if you know if this law this this section of the criminal code has been revived and is being used to prosecute some of the most senior officials and politicians in the country and so that this era where Danish secrets are splashed on the front page of newspapers where whistleblowers inside intelligence agencies spy on their bosses, where former senior officials go on TV to discuss some of Denmark's most sensitive secrets, this era must come to an end. Yeah, I think the government seemed to have kind of decided that that's enough, that that, that, that there had been too many stories in the press that were based on leaks that had emerged from the intelligence services and that, that they decided that they needed to prosecute and 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 perhaps even make an example of some of the some of the individuals behind or allegedly behind those leaks. And so Harry, that's the story of Lars Finsen and Klaus Hjort Fredriksson so far, but that cable running along Denmark's coast, the one that you got so close to at the farm, that's still transmitting information. Is the US still spying on it? As far as we know, yes. I mean, there's no indication that this arrangement has ended. And and that really is the reality of modern global surveillance today. It's the inception of the sort of vast amounts of data which are, you know, coursing through these fiber optic cables around the world, um, our data running through them. And the prosecution of Lars Finsen and Klaus Hjord Fredriksson, that will change nothing. Harry, thank you very much. Thank you. And that was Harry Davies, an investigative reporter with The Guardian. His story about this scandal is at theguardian.com. 
Regarding the feeling from the two men that the prosecutions could be politically motivated, Denmark's Justice Minister Peter Hummelgaard said in a statement, I'd like to emphasise that neither the Prime Minister, myself, the former Minister for Justice, nor any other minister in the government has approved investigative steps taken in the cases against Fredrickson and Finson. And that is it for today. This episode was produced by Lucy Hoff. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. And we'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.